Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer as Folk. We are up to episode 106 today, and I love this episode because there is so much happening. There are so many moving parts, <laughs> and there's just a lot for... Just about every character. Every character definitely has a shining moment in this episode. I'm excited about getting into this one. This one might turn into like a two-hour episode. Seriously, it's meaty. It's real meaty. (laughs) Because I got pages on pages of notes, and so does Ken, and he writes much smaller than I do. Oh, I sure do. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so you ready to get to it? I'm ready. Let's dive deep. All right. So this one starts out with some narration by Michael. And uh, he's talking about being a gay uh, comic book nerd and says that they do exist. (laughs) But he says that it has nothing to do with immaturity. And on the one hand, I agree with that. But I do think that some of Michael's obsession with comic books is definitely tied to some arrested development. Yes, absolutely. Um, Everything to Michael is a fantasy. Yeah. I mean, he wants to be with Brian in his head. It's a fantasy. Yeah. You know, the comic books is the way he can live out him being the hero for once and stop living in someone's shadow. Yeah, I think there's a lot to that. Like, we definitely know that he has this hero worship of Brian. Right. Uh, and so Brian is kind of like his comic book hero. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's a lot to that. And actually, I was just reading something, and we'll get into this probably in a later episode, um, but I was reading something and it was talking about people who have some emotional immaturity issues and how they create these fantasy worlds right. that they live in. And so I can definitely see that Michael slipped into that when he was younger and it just kind of stayed that way. But it's weird. I don't see how he could even slip into that. He has the most open family, accepting family. Yeah. I've been thinking about that because we've talked about that before at least once about how of all of them, like, why is he the one that is so closeted Mm -hmm. in the public? And so there's got to be something to it because, like, the environment is welcoming for him to come out you know maybe not at work but like at home and in his with his friends and in his community so there's got to be some psychology to why he cannot just i can tell you that i mean i kind of go through that i'm open proud all of that like i am but in your mind even though it's better now you still afraid of the consequences that would happen if you're out yeah so i mean it's just yeah scary i think that's I think that's a huge part of it. I think kind of also worked into it is that um, Michael is still not really sure of who he is and not really confident in himself. Um, And I'll go ahead and mention it now. Maybe there'll be another opportunity to get a little bit further into it. But I love Debbie. Absolutely love her. But when you have a mom with a personality that Mm -hmm. big, there's really no room for your personality. Mm -hmm. And so I think, it's possible that growing up there was no room for him to really figure out who Michael is so that's why he adopted this fantasy thing with the comic books and all that which brings us back to where we are (laughs) brings us back to the beginning of the episode and he's at the comic book shop with Brian Mm -hmm. and he's rehashing his horrible date and how everything went awry with that yeah and he's just down and depressed and I mean he should be because he really played himself he wasn't being true to his character, true to himself. Right. He wasn't authentic. 
Yeah. And he says something here. He says, uh, well, he's talking about, you know, how he was dressed and how he looked like an idiot. And Brian's like, that was my $1,200 jacket. And then he says, it wasn't me. And I think that was the main thing. Like, Like what I was saying earlier, like Michael is not secure in who he is. And so it wasn't really him on the date. Yeah. Yeah. And it definitely didn't help that he kept just mentioning Brian and Brian and Brian. Right. So. <laughs> that did, yeah, the, yeah, that case of mentionitis did not make yeah, the date go any all. better. So at the end, well, during all of this, Brian is eyeing the clerk in uh, <laughs> with the blue hat on. He was cute too, though. He was cute, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Little baby and, otter. Yeah, and so Brian was like, "All right, got tonight's, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> plan kill. lined up. Yeah, got mm-hmm. my next kill. So because it seems like he's not listening to Michael at all, but once he gets that squared away. Um, he turns to Michael and um, he sends him back to Dr. David. But before that, I just want to plug this little thing because it'll come back up later. Uh, Michael is buying a toy. He's going to give it to Gus. And right. Brian makes a joke about not wanting a gay kid. And they, you know, It's always the jokes about the lesbians. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so he sends him. He's like, no, you're going to go back to Dr. David. I, I was kind of... Um, I guess shocked in a way, but there is a part of Brian that does push Michael away because he's like, dude, you can't exactly. just hang on me or be in my shadow all the time. He, he's more like, I won't call him a really good friend. I mean, he's a good friend, but he's a dick. He's more like, he's <laughs> yeah. like that older brother. You know, uh-huh. he loves you, but he's going to give you shit every day. Yeah. That's who Michael is. I mean, that's who Brian is to Michael. Yeah. Uh, okay. So then we leave the comic book store as Brian is there, I guess, making plans for later with the guy. And uh, we see Daphne and Justin and they're outside at some kind of like street fair looking thing and they're buying jewelry. And I love any scene that we get mm-hmm. with Justin and Daphne. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> they're so fresh. Yeah, they are so fresh. <laughs> and are. at this point, he's a little bit further into this new mm-hmm. part of his life and to know that she's still right there with him like their friendship has not lost a step we call that a ride or die yes definitely <laughs> is like the ultimate ride or die which reminds me of something we're going to come back to later um what do you think about them being like on the strip do you think it was playing like he was maybe trying to hope to run into michael <laughs> brian somebody you know i think that he's trying to make that his home and that his community and so we can do a little bit of speculating. It seems like he grew up in like middle class America, you know. So probably his parents' crew and environment is more like country club, Absolutely. you know. So they are definitely like wasps, you know. Uh, so I think the country club is not going to be Justin's scene anymore. <laughs> so this is his new scene. And, and so Daphne's there with him. At this point, she's already been to Babylon mm-hmm. with him. So um, I do think that he's just like, I feel more comfortable over here. We're going to hang out in Absolutely. this area. Well, it was a good thing that he went there and was shopping because he got to run into some friends. Yeah, he did. So there's a little thing that happens before that when they find the bracelets that they want. Mm-hmm. And, and Justin's like, this is a symbol of our friendship. Let's buy these. And then uh, Daphne's like, okay, sure. And then he's like, oh, I don't have any money. <laughs> oh, Lord. And the way she looks at him is just like, typical. 
<laughs> but he's pretty. So he can yeah, get away with that. I know. He's adorable. He's mm-hmm. got that smile. Yeah, he can get away with anything. A million yeah. dollars. Yeah, but then, yes, he does spot uh, Brian's lesbians. <laughs> As he refers to them. Yeah. And uh, he goes over there, and it's um, Mel and Lens, and they don't really recognize they, him. They don't recognize him at all. But, you know, I was thinking about that. It's because they weren't giving him two thoughts. Right. Brian changes him up just like right. that. They never expected yeah. to see him again, so they never like registered him in their mind. Yeah, because they have, they've been at home with Gus. They yeah. haven't been at Babylon and Woody's and these other places where Justin's been going to see the rest of the game. Absolutely. Um, but I do like that, and they're very nice and sweet mm-hmm. to him, and uh, he introduces himself as Brian's uh, friend. And then he introduces Daphne mm-hmm. and bless her sweet little heart. She's like, I'm not a lesbian, but I'm a big fan. <laughs> she really showed her age. Yeah, she Cute. did. But it's just that innocence and mm-hmm. this person who wants to be an ally and mm-hmm. is just kind of, you know, learning. <laughs> Facts. Oh, my God. But I love how he um he had to reintroduce him. I won't say reintroduce, but he had to remind them that he actually named yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. He's the person yeah, who named like, the baby, yeah. Your biggest moment. Yeah. I was uh-huh. there, yeah. and I named the baby. Exactly, know? yeah. they. Well, I guess we could kind of forgive Lindsay because it's possible she was doped up. Facts. And if she wasn't, there's still a lot of emotions. But <laughs> and big ups to her, too, because Gus had a big head. So... <laughs> Yeah. Cute baby, but big Yeah. Okay, so um, Justin's going to go off with Melanie and Lindsay. He's going to help them, you know, walk the groceries to the car or whatever. And he also offered to babysit if they ever needed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's just kind of like finding a way into this you friend group. you got to create your spaces. You create <laughs> really your opportunities. Yeah. Okay? He really is. He is going to win by any means yeah, necessary. He is definitely going to get in wherever he can fit in. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> Create them. Yeah. After this, and this is me overanalyzing, but you kind of start to see, like, he leaves Daphne there and he goes off with mm-hmm. Melanie and Lindsay. You kind of just start to see, like, that's the direction Justin's life is going. That's not what that it's symbolizing. Leaves, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that he leaves her totally, but it's just the life he once had and the mm-hmm. one that he's kind of pursuing now. Absolutely. You know, there's a shift there. I like uh, that. Well, thank you for letting me have that overanalyzation there. You know, it was perfect. <laughs> you know, I gotta, I gotta take a little bit. You know, yeah. add my own little tutu. So another friend group, friend set, I guess, comes up, and that is Ted and Emmett. Mm-hmm. They're probably a torso because they're working through some clothing, mm-hmm. so they're in Emmett's job. And remember, Ted is still coming off the the overdose, overdose coma, all that. So he's this is a very interesting time for Ted, and uh, he's not wanting. I think last episode he was telling them like he didn't want to do the club mm-hmm. scene anymore. And so he's like really leaning heavy into that right I here. I mean, he's heavy. He's like that anti-Babylon police. In this yeah, scene. he said no bars, <laughs> no baths, no Babylon. Yeah, like, <laughs> no. Yeah. That's and then he, he said, you know, have you not realized that everything we do is an attempt to get laid? And Emmett's just kind of like joking. Because Emmett's like, okay, and what's the problem with that? Yeah. Next. <laughs> but Ted is a little bit older than the rest of them and he's just wired different um in some and he's ways. Sweet. He is he's sweet. A really yeah. nice. And he nice wants guy. something real mm-hmm. and honest and genuine with somebody, and that's totally fine for Absolutely. him to want that. I mean, you can be twenty one and want that. It doesn't matter what age Absolutely. you are. Absolutely. So while they're sitting there talking with each other, Ted's looking through the personal. This tells you there's just a few things here and there that kind of date the show, which don't bother me, but he's got a newspaper. 
And looking through the personals. You're looking through the personals. Okay. Now yeah. we got Tinder, Grindr, right. Bumble. They're he all kinds of apps to get this right. done. Yeah. I just went to a wedding last weekend where the couple met on Match.com. See? So there's all kinds of ways now. But anyway, <laughs> back then he was in the personals and he found an ad for date bait. And mm. it advertises no pickups, no rejections. There's an over 30 night coming. So all of mm. this is like, okay, I can manage this is how it's sounding to Ted. Well, that shit sounds boring. Yeah. Okay. Like, it sounds boring. I need to know if I could, if I wanted to test the goods the first night. <laughs> but that's an option to you. Yeah. But they said no, yeah. no hookups, no. If and if you ugly, and I see you eyeing me, I need to be able to give you a mean mug face. No, yep. kidding, no you guys. can't reject them. So you just have to. Yeah. I mean, you got to get married. I guess <laughs> this is how it works. <laughs> you got to marry. Them. Yeah, but I do think the no rejection thing is what really stood out to Ted because that's what he always we've had five episodes Mm -hmm. of him being rejected. Uh, So I think that is really what was like, okay, I'm gonna go check this out. What I love at the end of that scene is when um, he's like, there's over 30 night and Emmett is like fully Adam. It's like, I am not over 30. (laughs) 30, you got your foot in the grave. (laughs) For real. (laughs) Yeah. When we leave Torso, we go to Dr. David Cameron's office and Michael is in there waiting on him. Oh, it's just... (laughs) I mean, I know it's very fresh and, you know, whatever they have, this little situation, relationship, whatever they have, fling. Yeah. But the chemistry between those two, you can you can feel the passion. Yeah. I love it. Well, I want to take this time to remind our listeners that uh, Ken has not seen season one in like 19 years. Yeah. <laughs> And so, I didn't even get to finish season one. So. Right. So um, if you have other thoughts about something he just said, you just keep those to yourself. <laughs> we'll get there. No, never mind. You didn't hear that, Ken. Uh-huh. <laughs> you didn't hear that. I'm getting nosy over here. Okay. Special. So Michael is in the office and he is trying to talk to David, Dr. David, and explain his lack of experience and his nervousness. And he says, like, I do like you and I think that you like me. The thing is, Dr. David is sending out signals that Michael's not used to because he wasn't trying to, you know, jump his bones in the car mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, and, but anyway, Michael says that he wants to try again. I mean, that's beautiful. I mean, you got to swallow your pride. Yeah. You can't miss out on your opportunities. He actually met someone really nice, sweet, caring. Yeah. You know, didn't judge him. Treated him like a, a total gentleman. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean... I'm glad he did it. I'm glad he stepped up. Yeah, well, and all this is part of growing up. And it's like, if you want to do a relationship like an adult, then you got to do adult things. Sometimes it's going to be like, look, I blew it last time, but I would like another shot. Um, Okay, so then we go to Mel and Lindsay's house. Brian shows up at the door. And uh, when Melanie opens the door, he's holding a toy in his hand. And I just love how Mel automatically knows that that toy is from Michael. <laughs> it's like, you didn't buy that. <laughs> you ain't getting no credit for that in this house. At all. Because you know his personality. Yeah. Uh, so when he walks into the living room, he sees that Justin's there. And so he like pops him in the back of the head on the way over to his chair. Love it. Yeah. And, but before that, there's a little slight by Melanie. She's holding Gus and she walks past Brian and Brian reaches like he wants to, like, you know, 
touch him or grab or hold him right. and melanie's just like Mm-mm. <laughs> just kind of keeps walking past it thank you so yeah those two take are, a picture yeah those two are still got some issues uh but anyway so uh brian walks in and he sees that justin is there yes and uh i think he's kind of shocked yeah to see he him. i mean he was going to see gus but Exactly. And he's there solo. Like, I don't need you anymore. Like, yeah. I made my own way. I <laughs> yeah. made my friends. Like, oh, look, yeah. I'm in your world. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah. But Brian just kind of walks in and I like that he pops him in the back of the head. Uh, because it was I, he's it was playful. Chill. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, I hate to get all into it now. So I'll just keep it short. But I love that he can be playful with yes. Justin. Clearly, you yeah. see, is something different about Justin, right? He can, like, I think we spoke on it in previous episodes. I think it is the innocence about yeah. Justin, his youth. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot that intrigues him about Justin, and maybe we can, you know, get some more into that here mm-hmm. in a little bit. Justin is there at the table, and he's drawing some pictures. I think he's drawing a picture of Lindsay, mm-hmm. and also Lindsay is looking through his stuff, and she's yeah. being very complimentary on what she sees, and she tells him like, "You're really good." And she pulls out a drawing of Brian, <laughs> and uh, he is in the nude. Yes. Oh <laughs> my god! I have been waiting for that. I mean, even though I mean, I know that's what Justin imagines. So how we don't know if that's the real, real, yeah. exact deal. Well, I mean, but... artists are supposed to capture things as they appear. Ooh-wee. I'm just saying. Sure. <laughs> But uh, so Lindsay pulls it out and she's turning to show Brian and Justin's like, oh, no, don't. And Brian looks at it and he's like, when did you draw that? And Justin says, (laughs) when you were sleeping, which is a comment that we're going to revisit later. Uh, But then so during that, Lindsay is telling him about an art show, Mm -hmm. a charity event down at the GLC, the Gay and Lesbian Center. And uh, she's like, hey, would you like to show there? And to Justin, who probably just has always drawn doesn't know why he's always exactly. done it you know uh that's a pretty big deal mm-hmm. and then to kind of reinforce that melanie tells him that Lindsay's an artist and she's an well Lindsay says i'm an art teacher uh and so yeah just kind of validating yeah, his exactly. talent and he's with like-minded people yeah and he trusts them yeah uh-huh and just they're talking to him like he's an adult Absolutely. and they find value in what he's doing and who he is and even even though Brian's in that room, Justin's there as Justin, exactly. not as Brian's a friend. Along, yeah, a friend yeah. Or like he got there before Brian did. Yeah, his so, standalone. Yeah. So I really like that it's very sweet of them to just kind of welcome him mm-hmm. in. So in addition to Brian and Justin kind of joking back and forth with each other, uh, when Melanie sees the picture that Justin drew of Brian, <laughs> she just like cannot help herself. She has to put that little, you know, little jab in there about, oh, circumcised. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like she is still salty about exactly. that aborted bris. Yeah. <laughs> but oh she did God. get her insurance policy. So maybe she should calm down. Well, yeah. I mean, because that's a high ass insurance policy. <laughs> yeah. And he, he better watch out. Yeah. You better leave her alone. Yeah. <laughs> so they, Justin decides he is going to do the show and Brian says, well, good. That'll give him something to do. So when we stalking me and Justin's like in your dreams, and, he, and he, you know, they kind of trade. Banter, this, uh-huh. Yeah, they're uh, throwing this bear at each other. 
And even with that, like we see Justin can match Brian mm-hmm. in some ways. Like you think, well, Brian's 29, Justin 17, what would they have in common? But they actually do have quite a bit yep, in common. Justin can hold his own. Yeah. And Brian is very immature as well. So yeah. he, can, <laughs> he can come right on down to oh, a 20 year old. Yeah. Uh-huh. But um, Justin definitely can hold his own for sure. Yeah, and, and he's fearless. I mean, he's eight, not even he's seventeen years old, mm-hmm. um, about to be eighteen, and he's out on the strip by himself. Him and his friend is just out in the streets. Yeah, he's meeting all these new people. Just fearless. Yeah. At that age. And he's holding his own and all of that. You exactly. know, he's he's talented. He's intelligent, and so yeah, he's yeah pretty mm-hmm. intriguing. <laughs> okay, so. Then we move on and we actually go to date bait with <laughs> Ted and Emmett. And they're sitting in a circle and there are a couple different guys that are going around and some are maybe better options than others. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll put it like that. Uh, but one of the things that I love is uh, Emmett in this scene because everything about him is rebelling. Like everything. his outfit, like mm-hmm. everybody else is in very sensible, business yeah. casual. Emmett's got bland. like midriff was... out. Mm. <laughs> you know, this mess shirt. And then he's like, my friend made me come. Or my boyfriend would kill me if he knew I was here. <laughs> Lies. And also, but you know what they reminded me of? <laughs> Date bait reminded me of Gay AA for single dating. You, that's a, I wrote down AA in my notes. That's yeah. what I did. <laughs> it was like it was literally. You got up. You tell your sad little story. Yeah. You sit down. You don't smile. You have a number. Yeah. And Emmett with him coming in, it was perfect. Just like the rebel who yeah. had to go to AA. So yeah. Who's not wanting like any part of it? Like no, I'm yeah. not settling for this. And so like. As much comedy is in that moment, I think there's also something that's very human and a little bit sad in that mm-hmm. moment, too, because these are people who Truly are like looking for someone special. Well, that but then some of them are like Ted, where they feel like, well, I kind of hope this or I wanted that, mm-hmm. but I don't deserve that. I'm not worthy of that. So I need to settle. you right. know. And I think a lot of people want to say, well, I'm a Brian Kenny. I'm a Brian Kenny. I let people do what they want. I don't judge, I, you know, and whatever. That's but I realistic. actually think that Ted in this situation is very relatable mm-hmm. because, you know, society kind of tells you you get to a certain age or whatever, like, well, you need to be settled down or you need to be this. Yeah. or And then you start having friends and they're like, well, maybe you're too picky. Maybe your standards are too high. You mm-hmm. need to just accept what you can get. And, and you so start lowering your standards right, each and each. Right. And, each, and each so time. in addition, to, like Michael thought he was doing a nice thing and told Ted, maybe you should pick someone like like you. Uh, so there was that. And then also there was the, the issue with the overdose and with mm-hmm. Blake. And he's like, OK, I tried to shoot my shot and go after a person that I'm truly attracted to. And look right. how that turned out. So um, I, th- I think there's. Even though, like I said, there's comedy in this, and then, but I think it's very relatable. But it's also got a little bit of kind of sadness in no, it. I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. But there is one person who seems like a potential, and uh, that his name is Roger, and he's a piano and voice professor at Carnegie Mellon at the university there. And he isn't bad looking either. No, I mean he's not hideous or anything. Yeah, no, not at all. When I wrote down AA is when Ted was. When he stood up and started telling his story, and he's mm-hmm. like, well, I 
went with this really cute guy. I thought he might really like me. <laughs> then he drugged me, you know, like, oh, Ted. I uh, know. Yeah, everybody else was like, I'm into, <laughs> you know. It was sad. It was, <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. I was like, I'm into this. Or, you know, the one guy was into, what was it? <laughs> was it thongs or something? Like oh, he had a, a thong <laughs> fetish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. It's two specific colors. <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, then Ted's telling his sob story. It's just sad. I feel bad for Ted. Yeah, and then they they leave there, and Emmett says, well, I don't feel a desire to have sex with any of these men. And Ted says, well, neither do I. And he says that's a start. And he says it like it's a good thing, but again, it's like, no. Well, I didn't interpret it like that. Okay. When he he said it's a start, I meant like it was just a start, like the first time he putting the training wheels back on the bike. Yeah. That's why I saw it. That's true. Getting back out there. Faking it till he making it. I was more like, that's just the first step. Like, I might not be sexually attracted, but, I mean, I went on my first date. Even though it wasn't a date, it was like speed dating, kind of, but not really. Yeah. But he put himself out there where normally Ted would never do anything like right. that. Right. That's true. That is a good way to look at it. All right. So, after we leave date bait, we are at Michael's house with uh, Dr. David. And they're looking around. Uh, and David sees this big old cut out poster thing on his wall. He's like, who's that? And then so Michael's like, uh, that's Captain Astro. As if like, you're just supposed to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and, duh. Yeah. And then he starts telling him about his roommate who was supposed to be temporary, but it's now been like over two years. <laughs> and they're in the kitchen. He's asking if he wants anything. And then that's when Dr. I... David gives him the bedroom eyes. <laughs> to me, <laughs> that phrase, do you want anything? I mean, and it wasn't even said sexually. Right. It was amazing, though. Because, mm-hmm. again, it goes back to that passion I can yeah. feel. It's the way Dr. David, I just call him Doc. Yeah. Doc's sexy. <laughs> he just looks, those eyes, it, it pierced through Michael's um, yeah. whole soul. He just but melts. I think that he kind of picked up something from what happened with Michael before because he was like, okay, it's almost like he's like, this is how I let Michael know that I really am into him. Mm-hmm. Like, not to take away from the, hey, we can go on a date, right. we can have just like a nice, quiet evening but you respond but you respond yeah exactly or like you want to be wanted physically like Mm -hmm. you need you need to have that assurance Mm -hmm. which is the opposite of what ted's looking at so Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting that those two scenes are um that follow each other but uh yeah so then um things get steamy in the kitchen (laughs) that was a hot scene even though it wasn't like their most raunchy scene like we we seen before Mm -hmm. but that little scene just the the kissing the touching it was very sensual yeah i mean the the uh the passion it was there well in this scene more uh appropriate for michael for a scene with michael you know with brian like we would have been like "Uh uh-uh that's lacking something Uh uh-huh but with but with Michael, it's like, no, that's appropriate. That's that's what mm-hmm. we need to see. And then I even like, some people might not, but I even like the little flashes of light that were during that scene because I felt like it kind of broke it up because mm-hmm. if they didn't have that, because it's not Brian who we're used to or even Justin. Right. Uh, because it was Michael, I think people might have kind of gotten a little, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe uncomfortable or something. Right. But I like I liked how it was done. Yeah. yeah. Then we go over to the restaurant and uh, Ted, Ted and Roger have decided to, Go on a mm-hmm. little little date, and both of them are checking out the waiter. <laughs> waiter, waiter was hot too. He was. I wrote on here my notes: hung waiter. Well, his goods were like right at eye level. He was. <laughs> so. Yeah, but I love. Uh, but most importantly, I love the um 
that Ted was having a good time. He was. He was laughing and smiling. Yeah. He got to actually be himself. Well, even Roger says that to him. He says, hey, live. Ted orders water. And he's like, hey, live a little. I can tell you've been denying yourself. <laughs> and so he's trying to like bring him out of he his did, shell. Though. He yeah. helped him. Mm-hmm. And they're both joking about pickup lines and flirting mm-hmm. uh, with the waiter. And they joke about, well, Ted jokes that, well, I can get, I can go to the bathroom and let you you know, basically shoot your shot with him and but that's an insecurity even if it was a joke yeah. he really felt that yeah, that I'm happens sure. to him and then they both say no they're they're kind of done with that they're done with the rejection and they're both they say they both want to find someone appropriate mm-hmm. appropriate is probably not the word you should look for when you that want to find settling a, yes mm-hmm. that that screams of settling <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. uh but yeah i don't think you want to i guess in the scheme, grand scheme of things, of the kind of person you want, there, I guess there's some room for appropriate, but... Maybe they're also thinking, like you said earlier, um, a man of a certain age. Yeah. Like, they're not old, but they're in their 30s. So to them, they're feeling like, oh my God, I'm halfway yeah. over. And you if know? they're... Some people are built for relationships, and that's just that's what you want. You want mm-hmm. a relationship. And so, yeah. But I don't think you want to be finding appropriate. No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now we're at the gym with, with the guys, and Michael is telling them about his 27 minutes in heaven. With, oh, my God. Michael <laughs> got his world rocked, okay? Uh, yeah, it was 16 <laughs> right, 11 left. Uh, Michael is so extra. I mean, who... How do you even focus on counting the licks? And at what point are you like, I should probably start clocking this. Is that after like three minutes, seven minutes? Girl, I don't know. That's borderline, borderline crazy. (laughs) I mean, but I'm here for it because I want Michael to get all the play. Well, he's excited because he, Mm -hmm. you know, in the pilot, he had the build a body guy. Oh, That fell apart. Mm -hmm. And then a little bit... Good. <laughs> and then after that, he had the what was it? The anal parasite guy. Uh-huh, so mm-hmm. that got aborted. And then he had the backroom blowjob yeah, that was room. awful. Oh, yeah. Um, because that was totally not Michael. That. Yeah, exactly. I hated that. Yeah. Uh, so this is the first time that we see him winning, winning, getting mm-hmm. some action that he actually wants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, and uh, it was on his terms. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Yeah, and Brian's kind of uh, his reaction's kind of interesting. Like he cares, he doesn't really care, but then he like he cares, he cares because he makes some comments because he says, "Oh, we have a Viagra success story because uh, we know David's a little bit older than mm-hmm. them." Um, and then Ted is talking about how he got a man. <laughs> He's talking exactly. about Roger, and Brian just immediately says, "Well, is he a, is he a top or a bottom?" And Ted's like. It's not about that to everybody. Like, I actually want to get to know him. And Brian says, you either do it right away or you don't, well, you don't do, it, do at it at all. all. <laughs> Brian being Brian. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, he and he's, find, he's a, he has no interest in a follow-up. I so. mean, he probably does. He's just not finding substance because he's finding the one-night stands. Yeah. I, yeah. I got some theories about Brian Kenny. Uh, I can throw one out and then we'll just get into this later. We'll throw it out. But and let's I put it out there to that, our listeners, too. Yeah, but I do think that there is a part of him that does want something more. And I think that because in the pilot, he's in the back room in the middle of getting service. Right. And he's like, I got bored with that. You know, it was like, that's what he does every night. And so I think there's a part of him that's like, 
want something different, doesn't know what he wants. I know how to express it. Is way too chicken to pursue it. <laughs> He's afraid. Yeah. He is afraid. He uses sex to keep him young. Yeah. Because he is successful. He could easily be in a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. He's smart. He's good looking, has a good job, nice apartment. Um, clearly he's likable, charming, yeah. charismatic. Yeah. He could easily have someone, but he is afraid, I'm telling you. That's Definitely. My theory. Yeah. Um, and I can't wait until we get to jump further into that rabbit hole. <laughs> but uh so for now, we are at Justin's house and Molly is there because we totally forget that Justin has a sister. <laughs> Did you miss that part? I missed that. I didn't even see yeah. it. She didn't was there laying on the couch. And I think there was one other episode before where we've seen Molly or at least heard mention of her. But yeah, so Girl, Justin's elusive sister mm. is there at the house. And Daphne's there uh, waiting on Justin. And she tells Jen about the art show. Tells Jennifer about the art show. Low key though, it wasn't like messy. Yeah, she wasn't. Yeah, she mm-hmm. thought she probably assumed that. He already, yeah, he already that told her or she, she knew. knew, but turns out that wasn't the case. And then Daphne tells Jennifer, like, I think it's so cool that you're being supportive and that you're cool with everything. Uh, and then she, the example she uses is, uh, you know, because in my family, I'm black and my mom's black. Like we're all mm-hmm. black. And I think she's saying like there's something different about us from like mainstream norm, but we at least all have that in common. Absolutely. And like, this is a different situation. You know, I I love that. She's, I love that. She let the cat out of the bag a little bit. Um, She, she told her about the art show. I mean, I appreciate that Daphne was able to talk to um, um, Jennifer, Jennifer, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. I was um, very, very happy that she was able to actually talk to her and actually inform her in, in the art show. Because Justin refuses to even let his mom, you know, into a little bit of his life. Yeah. You know, he just feels that she's always going to be judgy. She doesn't understand, uh, which she doesn't understand, but she's willing to try and she's trying to learn and to get to know who her son is, you know? Yeah. I think part of that is just teenage angst. But the other part of it is it's still very new, like to him Mm. and also to the two of them. You know, it, it wasn't that long ago where he was kind of outed or came out or whatever to her. And then when she was like, no, I'm, I'm not going to go anywhere. Like, I do love you. Uh, I am going to still be your mom. So I think, yeah, (laughs) I think, I think kind of all of that is involved with why he didn't tell it. But then also like, this is his thing that he's doing with his new friends. It's like, I don't want my mama there. (laughs) True, And he also knew it was going to be risque. Yeah. He probably wants to kind of spare her. Yeah. I mean, yes, he's living his best life. He's living his truth. But at the same time, I mean, you're still well, shy. And what I forgot to mention earlier, when they were at Mel and Lindsay's house, Lindsay was saying, Brian, you're going to come to this event. So Justin is kind of hoping that Brian's mm-hmm. going to show up. I don't think he wants to see his mom and Brian in the same room. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So then Justin leaves. He and Daphne leave. And he's like, I don't know when I'll be back. <laughs> Jennifer's That's just like, saying. okay. I would have popped his ass. I don't care if you've grown. You know, you yeah. will, you will respect me in my yeah. home. He is God. definitely a little, yeah, sassafras. I love him, but God. Yeah. It's sometimes it's part of his charm and other times it's just a reminder of his youth. And I love when he does it to Brian. Brian oh, needs yeah. to be. Oh, yeah. I love when he, yeah, he gets it, Brian. Mm-hmm. Um, then we go over to the GLC with Daphne and Justin and they're setting up his, uh, his art 
And there's a a lady there who you presume is a lesbian and she's working on something or positioning something and talking to Daphne. She's like, oh, I love your bracelets. And Daphne says um, that, oh, they're just a friendship. We're not together or anything. And the girl says, well, I know that. And Justin's like, you can tell I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it kind of goes into like the Michael thing too. Uh-huh. You know? That's like, true. Yeah. You don't want to look you know, openly gay. Well, you know? yeah, like you kind of, I guess, want to be in charge of who knows yes. and what they know and how much mm-hmm. they know. Yeah, so he's like, oh gosh, personal. yeah, who else might know? Um, and Daphne then, doesn't care. She got Daphne, no Daphne care, doesn't care. care the and the girl, the lady invites Daphne to go with her to get a Coke or something. And Justin's like, she's going to think you're a lesbian. <laughs> and yeah. she's like, can't I be one of the cool people too? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Her energy is always fire. Mm-hmm. So Lindsay comes up over to Justin at this point and she's telling him about how talented he is. And she's just so encouraging and so welcoming, inviting him into that community mm-hmm. and also into her life. Um, and so- all he can think about is Brian. The first question <laughs> yeah. is, um, is he here yet? I mean, yeah. Is he really going to come? I mean, yeah. Do you think he's really going to come? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, and I understand that where he's coming from because he, this is something that's very exciting for him mm-hmm. as an artist. And so it's like, I mean, he would, he wanted Brian to be there instead of his mom. And so Absolutely. that kind of shows where his priorities are, but he wanted Brian to see his work and to be able to appreciate his talent. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And then maybe Brian would see him in a different light. Yeah. You know, more mm-hmm. mature, grown up. Talented. I think all of that was mixed in there. Um, And Lindsay says to him, don't expect too much from Brian. And Justin's question is, well, what's too much? And Lindsay's response is anything (laughs) at all. (laughs) And it was perfect. And it kind of goes back to what I mentioned earlier uh, when when they met him and they didn't remember Justin Mm -hmm. um, is because. I'm glad she warned him. She's trying to spare yeah. his heart. She knows that he's young. He's good looking. He's going to find, he had a whole life ahead yeah, of him. Yeah, that's what she was saying. Yeah, like don't squander it and waste your all your dreams and get your heart broken over Brian Kenny. Yeah. It, it's not worth it. Yeah. You know? And that's good advice. It's almost like big sister advice mm-hmm. to him because when you are younger, when you're that young, like, you're very short-sighted, you know, mm-hmm. and it feels like if this one doesn't work out, nothing's going to work out, mm-hmm. you know? And so she's trying to tell him as someone who's older, like you are going to have other great relationships and, right. you know, don't, yeah, like you said, put all your hope mm-hmm. in here. Don't put all your eggs in this basket. Right. Yeah. No, it really was. It was good advice. Yeah. So then we go over to Woody's and this is uh David, Dr. David and Michael. Yeah, they're going to go out tonight, uh, this night. And Dr. David says, well, I'm going to taste your, get a taste of your world and see what I'm saving you from. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so they go in and uh, Michael's asking him, you know, why did you kind of leave this scene, the club scene? And he said, well, it wasn't for me. And he says that I met someone. And then you find out that he was with this person for six years. So Mm -hmm. had a long time term relationship and that person died uh so it also just kind of tells you probably what level he's at as far as relationships are concerned like what he has in mind uh so emmett is the first friend to meet him and uh i kind of love that emmett's the first one (laughs) because you need the personality the energy yeah and he's sweet but yeah but this was emmett toning it down like Mm -hmm. oh if emmett was full throttled (laughs) it would have been crazy yeah. 
Uh, so then Emmett leaves them and they go sit down. And then here swoops in Brian and he sits in Michael's lap. Such and he's bit. like, where have you been? Um, and then he tells him that he's on E-K and G-H-B. The whole alphabet. <laughs> the whole alphabet. <laughs> it's clear that he's, yeah, gone on something. And then as he's meeting Dr. David, realizing who that is, he brings up the 16 and 11. Uh, <laughs> he's like, oh, Brian, he no. is an ass. <laughs> he would destroy Michael any chance he gets. It's true. Any chance. It's so true. Ugh. Um... And then uh, Michael immediately goes into like almost like parental mode, you mm-hmm. know, like a father. And he's like, oh, you're going to dehydrate. I need to get you some water. So he gets up to go get Brian some water and he offers to get David a beer. And Dr. David says, well, you've got him well trained. Mm-hmm. And Brian says, well, I take care of him and he takes care of me. He, Michael physically take care of him when he's drunk, yeah. when he's high, all of that, watching his watching his back. He takes care of Michael mentally. He abuses him, yes, like with flirtation. Yeah. But he also keeps him on the right track. He shoots it straight to him. Yeah. He sets good examples of being like wa- living your truth, walking, mm-hmm. you know, in your own in your own truth. Um, he definitely says that. He says yeah. that example for well, him. Well, even so well, the off. reason that they're on that date at Woody's is because Brian told him to go back to Dr. David. Exactly. <laughs> so so uh yeah, he can be very emotionally manipulative uh toward Michael, but I do think that he does at his core care about Michael and so Absolutely. he looks after him, maybe in not traditional ways, but um he does look after him. Uh, so then there's just this kind of tense conversation between Dr. David and Brian. I was here for which it. Which is just like a pissing contest. <laughs> Loved it. Because um, for once, Brian met his match. He did. Okay? Like, Dr. David did not back down. No, he didn't. I yeah. loved it. He was he, true. It was two alphas. Mm-hmm. Two alphas facing mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. Both alphas. Like, very different. Yes. But still both alphas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then Brian says, well, we usually meet guys together. And then Dr. David says, well, let me guess. And they end up leaving with, with you. you. And Brian says, well, the lucky ones. And Dr. David says, well, that's debatable. Uh, <laughs> so, love so it. I love that quick. back and forth. The comebacks. Them. Yeah. Uh-huh. So and he is just like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here now. And I think Brian is like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. You the know. eye contact. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He just let him know, like, I'm here to stay. I'm a man. Yeah. Michael is mine now. Yeah. But it's almost like uh, for Brian, this wasn't about Michael necessarily. Like, well, I think he's still figuring out how he, what he thinks about all that. But this then became about. This is okay. This is a battle between me and Dr. David, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like trying to best him almost. So, yeah, definitely yeah. trying to best him. Um, I think it had to do with control. Yeah. Brian is definitely a control freak and he has to be in control of the, every situation. Yeah. And right now he's barely, he's losing his grip on Michael, even though he needs to push him away. He's losing his grip. I, I get what you're saying, but also I still think it has to do with control just in general. Yeah. 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 No, I agree with that. Okay, so now we are um, at Ted's house, and it's Ted and Roger, and they're listening to opera. They're bonding over a common interest in opera. And so then it makes it feel like, in a way, like, okay, we're just having a natural conversation. Mm -hmm. Things are flowing. This is good. And uh, they're sitting kind of close. And so Roger grabs Ted's hand, and he's Mm kind of like, you know, caressing his hand. And Ted looks uncomfortable a little gun shy about it and i think some of it 
could and he says well i'm not ready for that just yet and i think some of it is about the last experience he had with blake with the with the od but i think another part about it is he's just like He's something's closeted. lacking because uh, any mm, you don't think I so? Don't think so. Because mm-hmm. uh, he like chugs his wine after. Yeah, he but that could just wine. be because he's nervous. Yeah, I think it was just nerves, and it goes back to what you said. The last time he had somebody at his house, he was ready to do to do, and then he ended up in a coma. Right. Okay? Um, but he let his guard down. He let somebody into his world. He wasn't ready to me. He wasn't ready because he's not ready to let someone. In close, yeah. you know, like, yeah. um, I lost my train, my whole train of thought, but I had a good point with it. <laughs> I swear I did. I had a really good point. Maybe it'll come back. But yeah, yeah I think, I think you could be right because, um, yeah, he doesn't want to, I mean, I read a book when I was in a psychology class and it says like the minute you introduce sex into a relationship, to some extent, the emotional development between those two people kind of stops at that point. Um, And so, like, of course, there are exceptions to everything. But so maybe Ted is wanting to be a little bit more emotionally connected Mm -hmm. to this person before... Just jumping right into it. Right. So, okay. (laughs) I wish it would have looped back to me. No, that's good, though. But I had a good debate for you. I I did. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Then we go to we're leaving Woody's Michael and David Michael, with Michael and Dr. Mm-hmm. David and Dr. David's accusing him of being a scene queen, uh, but he's mostly joking. And Michael says, "Well, if you don't go out, you don't meet people," which in some ways is accurate, <laughs> you know. Um, and then, but Dr. David does tell Michael that Brian tried to hit on him. Facts. Yeah, and then at first Michael's like, "Oh no way, no he didn't," and uh, he's like, "No, he did." And then I think that makes Michael feel good. You know? Yes, because for once he has something that yeah. Brian what potentially want. Right, mm-hmm. and uh, and cannot have. And so, so Michael says, "Well, you're mine." Um, yeah, and so then he's kind of feeling a little. And then also, he would never be mad, mad at Brian. Not I for long. Like mm-hmm. Not, <laughs> Not for long. Then over at the loft, we are having a breakfast of champions with Lindsay, Brian, and little baby Gus is there. And she's talking about, hey, Brian, you're going to come to the art show because I told Justin that you would be there. And he's like, well, that's on you. (laughs) It's your fault. And she's like, I'm trying to correct your mistakes. And he was like, well, he's the one who threw himself at me. And I've been trying to get rid of him. I was like, have you been trying to get rid of him? (laughs) Because I think he's been in this loft like four or five times since that first day. (laughs) Too funny. Yeah. But they do have an interesting conversation here. Um, I like their friendship and their banter. Um, But they do have an interesting conversation uh, cause she's saying, Hey, you're part of the community. Like you should come out yes. and support. And he's like, no, just because, uh, I have something in common with people doesn't mean that I'm in any group, you mm-hmm. know, or that I'm obligated in any way to be a part of that. Uh, as his hair is all over the place and he's drinking coffee, like straight from the pot. Um, but anyway, I think that's an interesting, uh, discussion point because there are some people who feel like, okay, if I've quote unquote belong to this community then I should be involved and mm-hmm. I should be an advocate then there are other people who are complete individualists you mm-hmm. know don't want any part of being in a group or like so 
I mean, it's definitely Brian for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's an alpha. He's a yeah, yeah. He wants he to be yeah a man on an island. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's just him. And then they do have a, a fun little conversation here about him and groups. So I did like that. That's what I loved. Yeah. Well, that's what I say. She hit him with the uppercut. Like, oh, I thought you were into groups. Yeah. I mean, I just I love he's how a, quick. Yes, by invitation only. Yeah. By, the wit. They're so witty. I wish I had that. They're yeah. so quick with it. Uh, so finally, we're at the art show, and Roger is on the on the keys on the black and white, and he's hella good. <laughs> yeah, oh, he really is. Yeah, playing a nice little ditty there. Uh, and Daphne and Justin are going to look at his stuff, and she's talking about, uh, oh, it's like a hundred dollars for each painting, but it's all charity. You're gonna be rich. Yeah. Well, then Daphne tells him like, "Hey, stop watching the door," because Justin was like solely focused on who is coming in the door because mm-hmm. he's of course looking for. Uh, Brian, and then we get a little conversation with Ted and Emmett, and Emmett says, "Have you two had sex yet?" And then uh, Ted says, "Well, no, not yet, and we will do it when we know it's the right thing to do." Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> and Emmett's like, "It's never the right thing." Yeah, to do. <laughs> it's never. It needs to be down and dirty. It's never the right well, thing to it's do. It's like he's trying to do everything so like nice and polite, mm-hmm. and it's because like he's using words like appropriate mm-hmm. when it's right, and it's just those are not words right. that you use with passion and attraction. You know? so, especially if you're talking to Emmett, you're talking to the wrong one, right? Okay, like he's gonna get you together. You're gonna be out in those streets, borderline hoe. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, so then uh, we see Melanie and Lindsay talking to Justin, and Melanie's trying to like redirect him. She's like, "Do you check out the food? Do you check out those cute guys?" <laughs> She's just like trying to get him on anything. And then I just absolutely love this scene because you hear this like um, there's like a breath or an exhale uh, where this air kind of comes is released into the room or something and brian comes walking in Uh you know and it's almost like you can feel all that angst and and just i don't know just uh anticipation from justin you know and then there's like this breath of relief when Mm -hmm. brian does walk in it is it's a breath of fresh air and actually brian is impressed i mean he walks in he sees the show it's a good turnout um, he comes in looking like a kung fu master, but he looks great. <laughs> his sleeveless he looks shirt. great. That little sleeveless shirt and yeah. his thin little body. Yeah. Uh, so he arrives and Justin tries to act all like nonchalant. And then, um, uh, so Brian comes up behind Justin and he's like, oh, the famous artiste. And I think, like you said, he does recognize Justin's talent. And mm-hmm. I think Brian is somebody who appreciates talent. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody is good at something or whatever, and especially being in advertising, he would know what good Absolutely. art looks like. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, I think he definitely appreciates that. Appreciates his talent. Then Michael goes well I think Brian goes to talk to to Michael to at that Michael. point. And mm-hmm. so we see them talking and then yeah that leaves Mel over to the side and she sees Dr. Dr. David. Mm -hmm. And initially she thinks that this is Brian's trick of the night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) This was shady to me until I saw, because you know, I don't, like you said, I get little flashes. So when I, when we was first watching it and it was, it was unfolding, I was like, this is messy. Yeah. (laughs) And then when she realizes, I was like, oh my God. Yeah, she didn't know. It was so good. Uh, Go ahead, lead us in, Michelle. She says, you know, um, 
oh, the Brian and Mikey show is perpetual reruns. It's mm. the greatest love story never told. And she's like telling Dr. David, like long after you're gone, Michael will still be there running after mm. Brian. Uh, and then she says, but don't worry because uh, Michael can wait forever, but Brian will never, mm. you know, he'll never act on it. Shape. Yeah. And then, uh, so before we get to the conclusion of that, we jump over to Michael and he's kind of confronting Brian mm-hmm. saying, hey, you hit on David. And then Brian says, I was testing him, which is probably like 20% true. 20. Because I think if Dr. David was like, okay, let's go. Then, he would have done it. Yeah. He would have totally mm-hmm. gone and then just told Michael, well, I was saving you. Exactly. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I I knew this was going to happen. I was sacrificing Mm -hmm. for you. Yeah. So they're talking and uh, he says that, um, he says, you're jealous because someone thinks I'm hot. And then Brian says, well, I tell you that you're attractive all the time. And then, well, he, then he kisses him. And it's like, he knows that Dr. David is watching watching. them. And so that is why he does it. Oh, he can be such a jerk. He made me so upset. And, and Michael falls for it. Yeah. Oh and God. so right as poor Dr. David is seeing this is when Melanie realizes that Dr. David is there with Michael. And not Brian. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh, no. Want a shrimp ball? My mouth <laughs> dropped. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Ooh, it was terrible. Yeah. But I do like that it is uh, Mel and Dr. David over there because mm-hmm. both of them kind of... have Brian in the middle of their relationship. He's Mm -hmm. like this third party in Mm -hmm. their relationship. So I do like that pairing of the two of them for that little moment. I didn't think of it like that, but you were sure right. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then they're standing there talking and Brian has this possessive arm on Michael with an eye on Dr. David the whole time. Mm. <laughs> so then we go over and we see, uh, Debbie and Emmett and she's talking about how she's always admired creative people. And she says how Michael has a gift and how he's a, cre- a creative talent. And I was kind of like, this seems out of place to me. Like nobody was talking about Michael mm-hmm. and... Uh, she's over there with Emmett. And so I'm going to keep thinking about this, but she's like, says, you know what, when it comes to taking care of people and knowing what you need better than you do, Michael's a Picasso at that. And I'm going to keep thinking about this, but initially what I thought was this is something that's common in single moms. Definitely when they have just one, uh, child and it's a boy they don't want to let him go yeah well it's and this is like overcompensating uh-huh. thing and so it's like she's always wanting to make sure michael's not left out of uh-huh. something and so i wonder if that could be a little bit of what was going on right what do they call that when you're like the mother's like the hover yeah something. <laughs> I, don't, I can't remember but it's all she does she yeah. pops at all, all his parties she's there uh-huh. they're always running to each other <laughs> They're in the club together. Yeah, but I mean, they're at the GLC at an art show for actual artists. Michael is not an artist, mm-hmm. and she just felt the need to, to say how talented to say he was. this, how talented he is, and how big of a heart he has. Which is like, okay, yeah, if all, all that can be true, but it's just like, why are you? Mm-mm. And Emmett is sweet. He just leans over and gives her a kiss on the cheek, and I don't know, maybe it's because like these other parents or friends or family members were seeing, you know, their friends and family members, right. they're seeing their work on display. And I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, but I love what she said though, because Michael is loyal and he's very caring. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. She's like everybody, he's got his, got his flaws, but, uh, but he 
has been the emotional center for this group mm-hmm. several times in just the five or six episodes that we've Absolutely. seen. Yeah. Uh, so then Jennifer shows up and she, like the first thing she sees is a picture of mostly naked men and she kind of braces herself. Loved it. I love that she showed up. Culture for shock, for this. Yeah, mm-hmm. definite culture shock, but I love that she showed up. So then Roger and Ted are walking around looking at art together. And then we quickly see Justin trying to shoo Jennifer out of the mm-hmm. out of the bed. He's like, go home, leave. Uh, but they get interrupted and she ends up meeting uh Melanie, Lindsay, and Gus. And they tell her like how proud she should be. And she says, I am proud right. of him. Yeah. So that was a nice little thing. And then that's how we find out that Gus is Justin's teddy bear's name, uh-huh. <laughs> <She> <laughs> which I'm sure makes up. Melanie she, just Gus. like so happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then Jennifer just trying to make conversations. She asks Lindsay, well, are you his mother? And, Lindsay says, well, yes, but we're raising him together. And then Jennifer's like, oh, well, I read about you, uh, them. <laughs> Bless her So heart. uncomfortable. <laughs> she so is very uncomfortable, but she is trying so hard. She is. I um, mean, it's just a culture shock for her. Yeah. I mean, she's out of her comfort zone. But, I mean, big ups to her. She really is trying. She's coming to every event. I mean, she's getting knocked down. But she's making she keeps getting inches, back up. Yeah. inches and mm-hmm. inches closer to him. Yeah. I, I love that fight that she has for her son. I do too. Because she keeps making reference to if his father found out, his father knows, his father this. You yeah. know, so I mean, clearly he needs some type of parent in his corner since exactly. he doesn't have both. Well, and Melanie recognizes that because she says to him, hey, she showed up. That's mm-hmm. a big deal. Like, that's huge. So then Roger and Ted are still looking at art. And this is, um, I don't know what you would call it, well, they're portraits of uh, nude men. And uh, in the background, you just barely see Emmett and Brian. And like Emmett like points to Brian. He's like, hey, look over there. Ted and, Ted and uh, Roger. And so they look over and they kind of laugh and roll their eyes. Uh, but so they're looking at um, all these pictures. and uh, It sparks some emotions. It does. Like things start getting a little uh, warm in there. For <laughs> it was hot. And the way they were talking, it, it actually... It was smart, sexy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> they're like, no, it's just about the art. <laughs> yes, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Uh, so anyway, they rush out in a heat. And um, Jennifer is looking. As they run past, we see Jennifer. And she's looking at Justin's art on the wall. And she sees the picture of Lindsay, one of Daphne. And then she sees the back of a man standing there. And uh, then over her shoulder, you see Debbie and she's got this like nervous kind of like, oh, mm-hmm. no, look. And then Debbie's eyes are kind of shifting left and right because over to the right, uh, Brian walks up to Justin, puts that same possessive arm yes. around him. And he's like, who's that guy you drew? And it's almost like he's like pretending to be jealous or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a cute little moment. And then they kiss and then right as Jennifer is seeing Brian kiss, Brian's drawing, drawing <laughs> but, she yeah, looks over. She looks over and sees her son with this grown tail man. <laughs> An intimate kiss. Yeah. And uh, in her mind, I'm a little shocked by her imagination. <laughs> yeah, I, her imagination was like a full on acid LSD trip. Yeah. I mean, she went there. I mean, she, she, she really took did. it there. Like, oh, poor Jennifer. <laughs> and that just frightened her. And uh, she was literally scared for her baby. Yeah. She felt like 
he's being attacked now. Yeah. Know? And so um, I think kind of what shakes Shocked her out of her, it uh-huh. is Lindsay walks over with Gus to hand Gus off to Brian and then Jennifer just darts out of there. Well, Debbie sees it. She anticipated it. And so she follows her out. Uh, so then we are at Ted's house. Mm-hmm. He and Roger are um, in the bed in there. Girl, who does the nasty to opera? <laughs> I guess Ted who, who the and hell Roger. Does that? <laughs> That's Ted's thing, I guess. I, I couldn't. <laughs> you know, people have their kinks, and I guess opera right. is what does it for Ted. I see. <laughs> Except it didn't do it for Ted this time. It sure did. Because he was trying, um, but he was just not into it. And so the clock was ticking, and it's like he was counting every minute, but he wasn't savoring it like Michael no. was mm-hmm. when he was counting the minutes. He was like, oh gosh, how much longer? When will this be over? Um, it just wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't pleasant. Yeah, yeah, because he just wasn't into it. Even though this might have been an appropriate match for you, he was not. That's the thing. Exactly. It was very appropriate. Right. It wasn't the right match. Right. You know, it wasn't a love fit match. Well, and there was just no uh, true attraction mm-hmm. there. Because, you know, people can call you vain or whatever, but you do have to have some type of attraction Absolutely. to the person that maybe it's their personality or different quirks about them. And it could be just physical things too, but attraction is a huge part of relationships. Mm-hmm. And so to try to have one without that key component, especially if you can't even have sex with that person because you're not attracted to them. Absolutely. It's like, how can you have a healthy relationship? You know? So, but then things just get ugly. The words that they shoot out to each other. I was living for the scene. I was straight living for the scene. <laughs> yeah. Because at first, I mean, Roger read, um, he read Emmett, I mean, not Emmett, Ted, read Ted for filth. Yeah. I and, went all the way off. And I feel like he deserved it at first because I mean, he did kind of string him along. Mm-hmm. He did, you know, make him wait. If you would have tried the goods out the first night, <laughs> then you would No, that was against the rules of the yeah, date Yeah, against the rules. But that's all I was saying. But yeah. I mean, he did carry him along and all this and that. And his feelings were hurt. And then to say that my sex game ain't no good. <laughs> yeah, that's a low blow. That's extremely like. low. But what I loved about it was, at first, Ted was taking it. And then he, like, I don't know, awakened. Yeah. And something in him, the fire came out, and we saw a brand new Ted. Yeah. Like, he, he read <laughs> him. The library was open. Yeah. He came through and slaughtered the mm-hmm. house. <laughs> slaughtered yeah. the house. Uh, so before that... uh Roger says, I thought you didn't want everything to be, yeah, I thought you didn't want sex to be everything. And Ted says, well, I'd like it to be something. Uh, Again, (laughs) right there. Shade. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and also just like, I can't have a relationship that doesn't have that component Mm. in it. Yeah. I'm sorry, dude, but you were just not doing it for me. I wonder what was it? Was it, because I mean, I know he mentioned a gym in his little rant. So was it like not the right body type or you know, is he a size queen? You know? Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe the kisses were all wet well, he and said sloppy. his breath was bad. Uh, oh, I forgot. Halitosis. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, I think it was a combination of all of those Ooh, things. Wee. And then even just from the start, he wasn't like... I mean, look at who we know Ted's attracted to. We right. know he's atta- attracted to Blake. We know he's attracted to Michael. And Roger just, like, doesn't kind of fit in that 
um, group, I guess. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So Roger leaves out in a huff after saying, uh, no, we cannot be friends. <laughs> and Ted just lays back in bed and grabs a porn magazine. <laughs> Loved it. Um, okay, so then we get a scene that's his that comic I d- book. That is his comic book. Yeah, that's his fantasy, mm-hmm. which is something that's very important. But I'll get into that later. Uh, okay, so this next scene I absolutely love. This is Jennifer and Debbie mm-hmm. together talking, and Jennifer says that she's shocked by Brian's age. You know, she's probably thinking, okay, it's some boy at the high school that Justin right. just experimenting with was like, no, this is a grown, a grown man, grown man. Yeah, and then she says, what well, you said, you know, if his father finds out, she's like, mm-hmm. you know, oh gosh, what'll happen, and then. So she says, well, hey, tell me about this guy. Because uh, Debbie says she knows him. And she says, uh, you know, Brian Kenny, get God's gift to gay PA. And she uh-huh. says they all want him. No one can have him. She says he screws them, breaks their heart, and then they wise up. And then mm-hmm. she says, well, most of them. And, you know, at the forefront of her mind is mm-hmm. her own son. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And um, then so Jennifer says, so this Brian Kenny is how she says it is going to hurt my son. And then she says, what, what do I do? And Nothing. Debbie's like, you just got to let it happen. Mm-hmm. Like look, this is life. And yeah, I mean, he's going to experience heartbreaks. And if you try to interfere, you're just going to make things worse and he's going to hate you. Right. Exactly. I mean, she say all that, but that's, but that's basically what it is. Out. Cause we know how determined Justin is yes. when he wants something. He's not going to stop till he can get it. Absolutely. And if you get in the way of that, you don't get bulldozed. <laughs> Um, and Debbie says that I've known Brian since he was 14 and she says, uh, he hasn't changed much. So he and Justin are pretty evenly matched, which goes back to what you said earlier. They are. Like he is very Mm -hmm. young and immature. And so I actually want to, um, bring up a little shout out here. So we have a, a friend and listener named Julia from Germany and she and I were chatting via email and, she made a comment that was so good. She said that it's interesting that, you know, thinking back to maybe it was 103 when um, Daphne is giving Justin advice on how to deal with Brian and mm-hmm. it works. And she says, because that's how Brian thinks. He's mm-hmm. like a teenager almost. Mm-hmm. Seriously, <laughs> though. Yeah. It uh-huh. is. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's the facts. Yeah. Uh, his mind is, is like you said. Yeah. The emotional immaturity yeah you know? mm-hmm. and he's he just kind of locked there and very content to live there mm-hmm. so even i don't think justin is emotionally immature no. he's very mature in that way uh he's always but, growing but because that kind of i guess balances brian's actual age uh, his biological age i guess um he doesn't act like a 29 year old Exactly. <laughs> and he doesn't doesn't really think like a twenty nine year old. I mean, he's responsible because he's successful. Yes, absolutely. but you know what I'm saying. So but the core parts that really make up the Brian Kenny that we know, he is very immature. Yeah, yeah. very emotionally immature. Uh, but yeah, I just love that scene with Jennifer and Debbie, and I love that Jennifer is getting to connect with her, someone mm-hmm. who's so different from her, but someone who has walked this walk, not only give with her, her son, but with her brother. Yeah, she mm-hmm. can give her insight. Different points of view. Yeah, and so this person is going to be a friend to her. Like, as Justin is kind of finding his own friends uh-huh. in his own way in this new world, 
uh, Jennifer is getting to find that too through Debbie. Absolutely. And it's a trusting friend. You mm-hmm. know, Debbie is very open, yeah. honest. I mean, she wants them to come together. So, yeah. Then we are at Babylon because, of course, Finally. we are. Because, <laughs> for real. I was, I like, was like, where the hell is Babylon? For real. I was like, are I they closed? Are they renovating? Yeah. What's happening? <laughs> for real. Yeah, they like, better be putting that champagne room in there. <laughs> like, okay. what is an episode of Queer's Folk without Babylon scenes? Um, so, Ted is back. Yeah, Ted is back up in there. <laughs> he is back up in the building. Well, and I think he was like, I'm not going to let, you know, what happened before and what other people project onto me tell me how I'm going to live my life. Even exactly. if I haven't quite, because he says he, he doesn't not quite know why he's there at Babylon, mm-hmm. but he's like, I'm just going to be here until, I don't know, figure out whatever mm-hmm. else I should be doing. Um, and then, so the gang's all there. Uh, Emmett, Ted, Brian, Michael, and even Dr. David has come out. After they left the GLC, I'm guessing. And so then Daphne and Justin are there dancing and they come over and Brian says, oh, look, it's the cast of Zoom, which I remember. (laughs) I don't know if I should admit this. I was really young, but I remember Zoom. It was like an after school show and it was Uh -uh. kids dancing. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Girl, don't age us. I was really young. Okay, I was like two. How about that? (laughs) Okay, well, yeah, go ahead and age (laughs) Um. Uh, so anyway, most people watching today probably won't get that reference yeah. of Zoom, but I remember what Zoom was. Wow. <laughs> It'll be on PBS station or something. Throw, and yeah, throw, like, <laughs> throwback. Okay. Yeah, real throwback. It's thrown back. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so Brian says that, and I love Daphne just fires right back at him. She's like, she doesn't even care what he mm-hmm. says. She's like, you know, Justin sold, sold a painting, and so we're celebrating. And they ask which one, and then they say it's the one of Brian. And then somebody says, well, who would buy that? And um, then they say, well, someone who's been pining, some old queen who's been pining uh-huh. after Brian. And then Brian says, oh, Ted. Oh, I loved it. But this is when he gets sassy. He, yeah. He comes back. I love yeah. Loved it. Um, so then a song comes on and Michael's like, oh, it's dan- well, it sounds Dancing like Dancing Queen. Queen. Yeah, I love that song. And... Michael's like, oh, I used to love this song. Well, so Brian, being Brian, says, well, let's go dance. Well, that leaves Dr. Davis standing there like, yeah. what the heck, yo? Mm-hmm. But this shows us something about Emmett, like how love perceptive him. he is and how good of a friend he is. He just walks over to him and he's like, okay, well, let's go dance. Um, and, so- and really invites him into the, yeah, cl- the clique and makes yeah. him feel not alone. Because Emmett could have just went off on his own, but like... Emmett doesn't always comment on what's happening, but Emmett's watching he's, yeah, he's and he observant. sees it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's one of those friends who's like, I'm going to let you do you. I'm going to let you live your life. But he judge. does. Yeah. He doesn't judge because he's like Brian in mm-hmm. that way. But he does see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really like that about him that he stepped in and did that. Where is um, Ted? He is in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see a familiar face there. <laughs> we see Blake. And it's revealed that Blake did call 911 and he waited to make sure that they got there. And that was sweet. That part was sweet. Um, and You then, can see a little turn in Ted, too. Because uh-huh. the first Ted was a little cold. Right. Uh, which, you know, which was warranted. Right. But um, once he actually started talking to Blake and Blake was like, I just wanted to make sure you were okay. I mean, he kind of like, oh, wait. 
you actually call 911? Yeah. So he was sweet with it. Well, yeah, because he, this whole time, has been thinking that the guy just drugged me and up and ran, left me for dead, but that's not what happened. And so Blake gives his explanation. He's like, well, I didn't want to be there when the cops came because I had the drugs on me, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like, that's not right. But you can see where, in Blake's mind, where he thought that was right. Well, so then Ted's like, well, maybe we can get together again. And Blake's kind of seems to be on board with that. But then a guy walks in and is like, who are you talking to? And he's like, well, it's just some guy. And he says, what's your name again? And I'm not sure if he's... That, no, he was afraid. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to say. Because like, I think he really did know right. Ted's name. And, but he was just... It was for this other guy. That it's for the safety was, of both well, of them. Well, because I don't... We heard that guy's voice. He had a booming voice. And that sounded deep. like a threatening Very. character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I and was thinking was, more like a pimp or something. I know. Yeah. There was... Because Blake was kind of skittish. So there was definitely something up right there. Ted leaves the bathroom and he's walking back <laughs> down Rejection Alley. <laughs> Everybody is like, no, ew, as if. And then good old, here's Emmett again. Good old Emmett meets him at the top of the steps. And Ted's got this grin on his face. And um, Emmett says, did you do it in the bathroom or whatever? And Ted's like, nope. I was rejected by everyone, and it's good to, good be, to back. be back. Yes, <laughs> yeah, good to be back. Yeah, and it's just like that thing of like, and this is okay. Like, so mm-hmm. what if I? You know, Emmy was like the savior of this episode. He really was in a very subtle way, mm-hmm. and I love how that was done. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. thrown in your face, but he was just right there being a consistent good friend. Yeah. Absolutely. And you need somebody that's going to keep it 1,000 with you. Yeah. You know, and not going to judge you, but lead you down the right path. Mm-hmm. So back on the dance floor, speaking of friends, back on the dance floor, um, Michael and Brian are dancing and Dr. David comes over and he wraps his arm ar- around Michael oh. and uh, <laughs> he asks him um, if he wants to dance and he says, no, I want to take you home. Loved it. Uh, yeah. And then, so he kind of rests Michael away. But before that, there was the scene <laughs> that almost made you like throw your paper where Brian and Michael were dancing and Brian puts a tab oh, of E on his tongue yes. and then he like kisses it into Michael's mouth. He's so, he does the most. <laughs> yeah. The most. Yeah. And now I'm getting mad at Michael ass. I am too. Okay. Because it's just like, Michael, dude, <laughs> what are you doing? Up yeah, you are. Over this Man, well, you're and never I gonna think get. it's because he was finally getting Brian's undivided attention. Uh-huh. Because even at the comic book shop, when he was trying to tell him about his disastrous date, mm-hmm. Michael Brian wasn't even looking at him. You no. know, he was looking at the guy. Um, then he meets his good-looking ass man, right? So he sees. I don't think he's personally threatened, like because I don't think Brian has any type of romantic feelings for Michael. It's control. Yeah, yeah. It's like this is my toy. You can't mm-hmm. have it kind of thing anyway but yeah just that whole scene it was just a mess mm. <laughs> both of their parts yeah because michael should know better brian should know better uh what i was saying was that when they were in the comic book shop he wasn't even thinking about michael but now here at babylon especially because the last few nights at babylon have been occupied by either justin mm-hmm. or you know whatever trick was there um and so 
tonight it's like oh brian just wants to dance with me but mm-hmm. it's, but michael's not thinking yeah because he's dr. trying david to yeah make, <laughs> make jealous. dr david jealous and upset yeah but michael's having fun and then dr david does take him out of there and then they go to michael's house and they are in michael's bedroom in his bed and Michael is completely trashed. Trashed. <laughs> yeah. Shit face. Yeah. And so Dr. David's like still trying to, you know, enjoy the night and enjoy him. But Michael is like in a whole different place. He's like not even there with him. And he says, um, who are you thinking about? He asks Michael. And Michael is like too far gone to even answer him. But it's like... Dr. David ain't stupid, and he knows. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's because everybody keeps filling his head. like Right. Well, right. You're right, because he had a night of Melanie mm-hmm. saying it, Brian throwing it in his face, yeah. Michael going along with it. And yeah. then he's, he's watching everything that Michael's done. Yeah. But I'm glad he's not like the extreme jealous part. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's showing just a little bit of insecurities, which is normal. Should he invest his time in his new relationship, but- anything like that? But I love that he's not extreme jealous. Yeah. Because... Being with Michael, his friends, their personalities are a lot. And his friends means a lot to him. So he has to be able to let Michael be Michael and still trust and love him. Yeah. As he's asking that question, who are you thinking about? This song comes on. It's a great song. Then it goes over to Brian. And he's in his bed with the comic book shop guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, the guy is like moving up his body and he comes up to his face like he's about to kiss him and Brian like kind of pushes him away. Curve. Yeah, pushes him back down under the blanket. And then we see that Brian is staring at something and then it's revealed to us that he is the one who bought Justin's drawing of Uh him. And I absolutely love that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, for so many reasons, and we'll get into as many of them tonight as we can, uh, as many of them on this recording as we can. I mean, you could make the argument that this was about ego, that that's why Brian bought it, but I don't think so. I didn't either. I, no. it's about a connection to Justin. Right. He's feeling close to him with the painting there. And it has the ego because it's of him, but <laughs> Justin painted it or drew it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's just. It makes it so obvious coming off that question that Dr. David asked, who are you thinking about? Mm-hmm. Because it is clear where who's on Brian's mind right. that night. And so it makes me think of a few things. Number one, in the last episode, when Michael was at Brian's house getting ready for his date and they were talking about like, why even go on dates? What's the point? And Brian says, well, I heard the point is to go and see if you like the person before you actually sleep with them. Right. And then Michael says, well, what happens if you don't like them? And Brian says, well, even worse, what happens if you do? And so I think this, like, Brian mm-hmm. is having to, like, oh, crap, what happens if I, if do? I do? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like Justin, I think that's a thought. But also just, like, if you think about the drawing, this is Brian in bed, vulnerable, naked and exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, he's flaccid, mm-hmm. you know? And so I don't think it's supposed to be sexual. Uh, it's just... A candid a candid. Well, dream. and it's just like that in Justin's mind, that is what was um, 
inspiring or what was captivating. Like mm-hmm. that was Brian at his most captivating is when he was like that. It wasn't with his like performing. You know, well, yeah, not when yeah. he's performing, not when he's got that like I'm on the hunt, those smolder eyes, mm-hmm. you know, and he's um, you know, weaving his way through the crowd at Babylon. And when I say performing, that's what I mean. I yeah, didn't mean yeah, sexually no, I, performing. I, know what you mean. I, know I literally meant. meant like yeah. he's putting on a show act always. <laughs> yeah. But and so I just absolutely love that that's how Justin chose to capture him. Right. And so I think also when like Lindsay definitely probably would have picked on that as an artist herself. Mm-hmm. Uh but even for Brian, I think that he's looking at this drawing and he's seeing that's how Justin sees me. Mm. And most people do not see Brian like that. No, I you love know? your interpretation of that. And something else I love about this episode is like we get to see how a lot of p- people view Brian, what they say about him. So Melanie was like, you know, it's always the Brian and Mikey show. Like we, we pretty right. much know how she <laughs> feels mm-hmm. about him. Lindsay says, don't expect anything from mm-hmm. him. Um, Debbie says he's immature. He's, yeah, he's, he's going to break same, their heart. Yeah. He doesn't care about anybody else. Uh, and then Justin's painting is what speaks about mm-hmm. how he the sees softer. Brian. Yeah, it's this very soft side of him mm-hmm. that very few people get to see, mm-hmm. and that none of them know that Justin has seen that mm-hmm. side. And it definitely it wasn't Brian's initial intent to show it right. to him, but it happened. Um, so I absolutely love that drawing. Yeah. But I love the way you interpreted it because I, I didn't see it that way. I mean, I I, I can see it that way yeah. now that you said it, but I love, it was, be- it was so beautiful the way you, you, um, put it out there. That is probably like my favorite part about, um, the episode is like just to, well, I love all of it, but like, especially to get to that point. Right. Um, but yeah, so there was, um, one other thing I wanted to talk about real quick before we close out this episode in Michael's narration, he talks about the importance of being a part of a dynamic duo. Mm -hmm. And so I want to talk real quick about a couple of the dynamic duos. So you've got Brian and Michael, Mm -hmm. you've got, I guess you could say Brian and Lindsay, You've got Ted and Emmett, Mm -hmm. Justin and Daphne. And then a new one here is Debbie and Jennifer. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. At some point, I kind of want to go into each of those and just talk about like... How they're helpful to each other. Yeah. How they interwoven. Yeah. What connects them Mm -hmm. and how they bounce off each other. Yeah. So that's episode 106. It is. And also, um, I know Eshel spoke to Julia from Germany. And I just want to reach out and say thank you. We want all of you guys to... Email, send us questions. It's yeah. very interactive. So we, we love the feedback. We love hearing from you guys. Uh, we definitely thank you all for tuning in. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can Spotify. find us on our oh yeah. You can find us on our website. You can email us directly through that. That's libertydinerdish.com. It's probably the easiest way to find us. But yeah, guys, I hope you enjoyed your time with us. And um, I believe that's a wrap. We are out. Bye. Bye.